Merry Podmas, everyone! Ho, ho, ho! It is I, the ever-lovable Santa Claus, here on your podcast show. Welcome, Sydney. Um, hi, Santa. What are you doing here? Aren't you, isn't this your busy season? Don't you have some work to do? Ho, ho, ho! Yes, but I always have time to get people in the holiday spirit early. Today, we're going to be talking about different kinds of cookies and the spices you can put in them to give them an extra kick. Number seven will shock you. It's orange zest. Hey, what the fuck? Oh, shit! Hey, get get out of here! God damn it, Sydney, I told you. If Santa enters my house, you need to warn me. What, like, what's the point of all this motion sensor stuff I paid for? Um, you didn't hear the dog barking in the background? That should have been your cue that someone had entered... So you're welcome. Yeah, he's just doing his job. Yeah, he waited till the 11th hour when we were recording. To be like, hey, wait a minute, somebody's in here. Yeah, she, he waited till literally I was coming down with a soda and see a grown-ass man sitting in my chair talking about cookies. Every year, that guy tries, he tries to sell people cookies on my freaking podcast, whatever podcast I'm on. Anytime I'm streaming, he tries to sell people <sighs> cookies. I told you that, all right, it's fine. It's fine. We're settled. Will you be Everything's okay? Everything's fine. I'm a little flustered, but we'll, for the holiday spirit, for the holiday season, I'll mellow out. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Welcome to the Disney desk, everyone. I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. And happy December! Woo! It's December, Yay. and we are getting into the Christmas spirit. I'm doing my first year in retail, and I already am slowly going insane from Christmas music. Yeah, I really don't miss those days. Retail and the holidays, it's, you're, you're truly in the ninth circle of hell, and it does not matter what kind of store you work at, and you're selling anything at Christmas time, it's, it's, it's the shit, and like the bad kind. You know what? We're just going to slide right over that in the implication of good shit. No, I meant, you know, when you say, like, was that a very 2010 oh. thing to say, like, that's the shit? And it meant yeah. something was, like, really good. This is yeah. not that kind of shit. Got you. Got you. Um, <laughs> what the hell were we supposed to talk about this episode? We're, we're swearing like sailors. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yay. Oh, yes. Um, conveniently, uh, James Gunn decided to give us an easy startup for the season. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, the second in the Marvel special presentations line. Okay, first of all, I mean, I need I need Marvel to make a billion of these. Like, I love these. They're you know because Marvel already has this like one shot thing, right? But these mm-hmm. are somehow better. They're elevated, um, a lot more than the one shots were. Yeah, this is. What if we had a movie budget for one of these instead of a DVD budget? Exactly, right. Um, A phrase you've been using a lot lately that I've noticed is you use the term understood the assignment. Both (laughs) of these uh, Marvel Studios special presentations things have completely understood their assignment where it's like, what if we just pour a budget into a crisp like 40 to 60 minutes of pure fun sort of fill in the gaps of the marvel universe and have a good time while doing it you know what's interesting about that you know i always in my mind make a lot of comparisons between like the differences between marvel and dc in terms of their like cinematic properties and Mm -hmm. 
I think over the years, like, and, and this special that we're going to talk about is an excellent example of the studio committing to, like, a singular idea of who all of their characters are and just diving deeper and deeper and deeper into these really fleshed-out characters, whereas, like, over the years, there's all these different directors that have different ideas of, like, who a Batman is or who Superman is. Right. And so, and this special is everything that is good about the Guardians of the Galaxy as a team, as a franchise, and just has exhibit thorough understanding of this particular part of the universe. Right. I do think one of the secret weapons is for the MCU is for the characters that have really like hit home runs, for the characters who have been really great from the start, they've had pretty consistent voices working on them. Mm. Um, like John Favreau directed the first two Iron Man movies and he was like, you know, around. He was a character in the universe. Oh, right. The Spider-Man movies all had J- uh, John Watts. I almost called him James Watts. Um, Why is John will... Favreau in the movies? Because <laughs> uh, he likes acting. Okay. I, I, I kind of think that's it. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Taika Waititi kind of shaped Thor into the likable character. And you can right. tell when they don't love a director's vision for a character when they quietly just announce a different director Phase for that series. Out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like almost all the best characters like Ant-Man... Uh, well, Captain America, his first movie was different, but that was a, mm-hmm. like that was completely separate from the rest of the MCU. Right. Um, yeah, just consistently they have one singular voice handling a character. And the phrase James Gunn Christmas special is not one I thought I needed to hear. Right. But it turns out he kind of made the perfect ensemble for a Christmas caper. 100%. Like, right off the bat, before we, like, really dive into the special, I mean, I fell in love with this thing within like the first minute or so you were losing your mind i think your exact phrasing was i had to pause it because i couldn't stop laughing and i didn't I, want to miss stuff i absolutely like had to stop it about five minutes in because i was laughing so hard like i i just can't i i i have something new that i absolutely love i'll probably watch it a million times i watched it twice in a row like i watched it the first time through and then immediately restarted it and watched it all the way through again like in one sitting yes i started watching bits and pieces of it again just to start up because i yeah i also immediately and i was a little hesitant because again i was like are these one shots going to work is this like i was like christmas special that seems a bit weird and now i was immediately fell in love with it and I'm yeah. also in your camp now where I'm like, all right, well, now I better get my Adam Warlock under- learns the meaning of Easter right. as the resident Christ figure <laughs> in the MC- or Marvel Universe. Right, um, exactly. Where do we even begin? Um, I've, got, I've, got, I've got quite a few notes this time around. Um, yes, whereas this time I'm the free form, like, right. vibing. Right, jazzy him. dude. You know, yeah. first of all, you and I talked privately about, like, the special presentation title sequence Mm -hmm. and how just enjoyable it is on its own isn't that strange that like i've already just like it's got the perfect energy for me to be like yeah i'm excited for this thing this feels special well yeah because the mcu sort of like uh, like the classic mcu logo at this point of like the comic pages yeah um and like the logo 
like that in itself is classic art. You know, it's iconic now. I feel like oh, after yeah, a absolutely. decade, it's safe to call it iconic. Right. Um, and somehow they made an equally like catchy, hype-inducing logo where you're just like, ah, oh, yeah, we're going to treat right now. Right, exactly. Like, we're in for something fun. Um, so before we dive into specifics, do you want to give like, cause you're always good at giving synopsis of like the story briefly, like, oh, yes. what happens in the story? Okay. So this is taking place relatively soon after the events of Avengers Endgame. Um, the guardians have ditched their Thor and have realized that the holiday season's coming up. Now, Peter Quill has been kind of listless because famously Yondu did not like celebrating Christmas and Gamora apparently has completely abandoned the team and gone her own way. Mm -hmm. So Mantis and Trax decide it is their sworn mission to give Peter Quill the best Christmas gift ever to get him back into the spirit. And they, of course, decide on bringing him the legendary Earth hero, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> what a yes. great gift. No one's ever given me Kevin Bacon before. Yeah, and I've asked for years and years. It's part of why Santa's on my shit list. <sighs> Maybe he one knows day. what he did. Right. Um, but, yeah. You know what's really fascinating right off the bat? I didn't really think about, despite these guys being in a lot of movies, like they've been in Infinity War, Endgame, and then they were in a little bit of Thor. So mm-hmm. we've seen them a lot as of late. I really miss these guys. It right? really dawned on me that we just haven't had time to hang out with them. They've either because no. like in the flurry of Endgame, they don't really get their moments to shine other than Nebula. Infinity right. War, they get a lot to do, but the team is broken up the entire time to just have like the whole gang back together yeah. and just like kind They'll... of getting to do their own thing. It's so like exciting. I it like, really it feels like we're seeing him again. Right. It it really is because. This is one of those teams where it's like, as characters individually, they are extremely entertaining, but they are truly at their best, like, all together. They sort of make this crazy mosaic that is perfect aesthetically. Like, it's just, it's perfectly enjoyable. The last uh, essence that we got of them was with the Groot shorts. We kind of got back into their, like, slice of life things, but but that certainly was just about one character, you know? Yeah. Their little pocket of the universe. Because it also dawned on me, they're the only sci-fi group we have in terms of, like, Captain Marvel's whole film basically takes place on Earth, save for that Star Trek-y beginning. Yeah. Um, who are the other, like, Thor kind of has space adventures, but mostly hangs out on Earth or in, like, God space. Right. Um, yeah, like, uh, most of the other alien-y, yeah. uh, alien-adjacent characters, their adventures end up mostly taking place on Earth. So getting... And on top of that, it, it's weird that it works as, like, a Christmas special, because it has that energy of, like... Oh, all your friends are coming back. It's, it's a, like a very college age energy where everyone comes back for winter break and you have the whole gang back together for the first time in forever. Right. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Um, okay, so so right off the bat, um, first of all, I just want to say that like, you know, speaking of all of the like accessory characters that go with Guardians of the Galaxy, because doesn't it feel, they, they do feel like the film manifestation of like having all the pieces of a play set right they have the most like they're the lego sets with the obscure characters where you're like i didn't think they'd make a lego character minifigure of this guy but okay yay he gets to hang out (laughs) with everybody else now right but like you know when this film opens i'm like all right i'm going to need marvel to invest a little more in the 2d animation (laughs) Okay, 
I was going to say, it's amazing that it starts on my biggest criticism. Right. Like, the beginning of this short is a little 2D animated flashback explaining, like, the first year Peter Quill was abducted by the Ravengers, he tried to celebrate Christmas with uh, Kraglin, who otherwise you would know as James Gunn's brother, who right. gets to have Sean a little Gunn? part in these movies. Yeah. yeah. Sean. Um, because James Gunn's a very nice brother, apparently. Right. Um, and Yondu immediately being like, no, that's not the Ravenger way. We take, we have to earn what we get. We don't just get gifts. And then he kicks the Christmas tree across the room in right. classic uncool dad fashion. Right. There's a twist for that later audience. Um, right. And a part of me was like, man, this this would work better if they either made it look like the Rankin-Bass hand-drawn films or the Rankin-Bass yeah. stop motion. It's kind of just in the middle of nowhere. But at the same yeah. time, I like it because it's a charming way to start the movie. I love it. I I wouldn't change the fact that it is opened with 2D animation just for these flashback sequences. However, yeah, mm-hmm. it reminded me a lot of What If, which the biggest part about the What If series that turned me off of it was that I felt the animation was just difficult to look at. Like, I just mm-hmm. straight up thought it was ugly. And I didn't like the way they moved. And And this felt a little more digestible because the, like... Christmas sort of has an arts and crafts, like, mm-hmm. essence about it. Yeah. So it, it was sort of fitting in the context of, like, a holiday special. It also works for the Guardians because the Guardians are kind of gross. They like, are. Like, if we're being honest, they're, like, the kind of dank team. They, they are, 100%. Um, and then, pretty quickly, like, I think there's been one refrain. Like, we have a lot of opinions on the MCU, you and me. And I feel like one of the biggest is, we need more Mantis, damn it. Yeah, we've like, talked about this recently of like this character is kind of awesome and, and I feel funny. like up in, and really funny especially with Drax and it's like yes. I don't think they've known how to use her even though she has one of the most useful jobs ever in uh Infinity War. Yeah. Which is she like has, putting, she somehow puts Thanos in like a trance. <laughs> she is like I love that she is a complete goober yet has the right. most over powered power set of any character right exactly and the f- and the fact that james gunn says this is all drax and all mantis baby immediately yeah. I'm, I'm in let's go it's and, game time you know one of my notes is that like you know it's not just fun that it's like yay it's mantis's turn but it makes a lot of sense for her to be the leader of this adventure for so many different reasons i mean like this is a story about empathizing with one of these characters and like she is an empath like that's what she does and also (laughs) being reminded that she is actually like a half sibling to peter (laughs) like oh yeah i certainly forgot slash never considered that until now Uh, you know what's funny one i never really i didn't think about how brilliant that empath thing is for me it was just perfect because she's like the team innocent like she's the doughy-eyed one And, of course, you get the plucky, kiddish-like character to lead the Christmas quest. But, yeah, she literally absorbs everyone else's feelings. Right. And you want to laugh? What? (laughs) uh, Disney Plus actually got in hot water because they kind of spoiled... Because they've never outright said, up until now, that Peter Quill and Mantis are related. That Ego is their mutual father. Right. Um, But uh, before this came out, they released one of those uh, MCU Legends things. Like Mm. the little short where they just explain who certain characters are. And give you like a setup for uh, whatever's coming out. Right. And they have that clip from this Christmas special. 
and people were mad because it technically spoiled something for them. But does it? Is it a spoil? Like, truly anybody could come to this conclusion if you watch Guardians 2. <laughs> they kind of hint at it, but they don't outright say it. I, I think, thought... like, when he's doing his PowerPoint presentation, you see right. a Mantis-like figure, but he doesn't oh. explicitly say, Oh, I thought... This was my kid. Oh, I thought that was something that maybe I'm just, like imagining this in my memory but i could have sworn to something that she brings up when she's when she's explaining what she does to the other characters in that movie i could have totally made that up but like for whatever reason when i saw it in this in this context i would like it didn't feel like a huge reveal i was like oh yeah like it's almost something that i Mm. sort of subconsciously knew which is why i'm convinced that like it was brought up but maybe maybe like it's just that's just like a weird um affirmation or confirmation bias is what they call it but um but yeah but like for those reasons i'm like no it it makes perfect sense for this to be a mantis driven journey right here right yeah and that leads us to sort of the crux of the plot which is mantis and Drax go down to hollywood los angeles right because they've heard so many stories about this legendary kevin bacon a man who saved an entire town with the power of dance and song you know what okay wait before we go on this journey i had one more note about because we did we forgot to mention they're all nowhere they sort of reside on nowhere at this point right and with all these nowhereans i don't know what they're called you know yes. how Guardians are, like, that's what I love about Guardians of the Galaxy, like, they're, they sort of master diversity in the sense that, like, they go to these different planets, but there's no consistency on any of them, <laughs> in terms yeah, of, like, what no the people are. Yeah, right, there's, it's not like they go to the planet of Gorn, and there's all the, like, lizard people, like, every single no. person on that planet's a Gorn. Right, but, like, it's, it makes, again, perfect sense that, that the Guardians and, like, people sort of similar to them would love Christmas and this opening song that we're met with is like oh yeah Santa is a master robber (laughs) like if you had never heard of this before this would sound like some sort of James Bond like character right with superpowers (laughs) and an army of like it's the Willy Wonk and the Oompa or like the elves are basically Oompa Loompas again where you're like okay they're kind of slaves he's forcing them to work here like what's the relationship here um, right. Yes, uh, much like the other Guardians adjacent events, there's a lot of music, in t- including mm-hmm. two, I believe, original songs from the yeah. old 97s. Um, that chorus of the opening song uh, is a bop. I listen to it on my runs now. I, uh, I don't love know it. what Christmas is, but Christmas Day is here. Right. Um, yeah, I th- hilarious, exactly the right kind of energy. Like, I will say, this is the ultimate, like, refresher after the emotional weight of black panther to just come in and have these weird oddly shaped aliens rocking out to christmas music right and peter quill being shocked at their misunderstanding of the holiday and also (laughs) that they somehow mastered earth instruments in a day (laughs) yeah you liked that bit that i mean that is funny yeah that is one of my favorite jokes in any media (laughs) the trope of like Oh, we just got these instruments. Hmm. Right, we just found and these. And immediately rock out. Right. <laughs> We've already written a song. Oh, God. Okay, so, Mandis and Drax go to Earth. Right. And specifically to Hollywood. They just randomly are like, it's gotta be Hollywood, right? 
Yes. And this is where the special kind of just turns into a joke a minute. Uh, it's <laughs> yes. just nonstop, like, sucker punch after sucker punch after base hit after base hit. And mm-hmm. I can't think of a single joke in this where I didn't think it landed. Oh, um, 100%, yeah. Uh, Drax, they go to, like, the Hollywood stars where they see a giant robot the man and fame. Drax is furious. Yeah, all of the, like, knockoff characters. Yeah. Uh, because apparently a robot killed one of his Drax's cousin? relatives because right. that man can't... Apparently all of his relatives have just died in tragic Dra- revenge-worthy right. ways. Uh, they start getting photos taken of them because they mistake Drax for Kratos from God of War, which is also appropriate because he's another big, angry, vengeful guy. And I mm-hmm. think Dave Batiste was once uh, signed on to be Kratos in a live-action movie. Oh. Um, Mantis sees a Captain America impersonator and thinks it's Steve. Literally thinks it's Steve and goes, that's probably one of my favorite moments. I sort of, I I love the fan fiction-y moments right. that that where you just get to believe that they're all like best friends that hang out where it's like <laughs> well there's a lot of time between steve or there was a lot of time between the final battle and tony's funeral there were a lot right. of preparations so they were all kind of just hanging out for a bit right and so she sees this captain america costumed person and and immediately is excited to see steve again and as anyone would be right right um and i think and like we talked about this point and as we go on, and as they finally try to commit to their plan of finding Kevin Bacon, I've mentioned a lot that Guardians 2 is one of my favorite MCU movies, probably top two or three. Mm, but the me one too, thing actually. That I, oh, yeah, we've talked about this. The one big weakness for me was how the other characters acted to Mantis. Um, right. Because they make a lot of jokes at her expense to the point where it gets a little mean-spirited. Like, it's a series about people who have suffered abuse sort of rising to be something better. Right. And to have a character getting constantly bullied kind of, like, doesn't betray that idea, but gets tips a little too much into the stuff I don't like. Like, the stuff I love about James Gunn is when he balances his, like, his, like, jabs and cynicism with earnestness, and the stuff mm-hmm. I don't like is when he gets a little too mean. Mm. This is, like, the ultimate, like having her and Drax together for this and letting Mantis really flesh out her personality like it it kind of brings it all together in terms of sort of balancing out their relationship agreed yeah I mean like and you know for me it's like like I totally get what you're saying because I've always like Mantis has always had this really like meek like shy personality like on at least that's how they've chosen to like portray her presence and um it's it is so novel to see her being really like angry and goofy and silly like in her own ways <laughs> yes. and like seeing her actual like personality like this is truly our first like real meeting of of her right and james gunn literally said that on twitter he was like this is the first time we get to see mantis as mantis not influenced by ego or somebody else that's true and i love that her and drax are kind of this perfect they're they're two different things one they're that comedy pairing where both sides think they're the smart one yeah and are like god i have to drag my dumbass friend around who can't do anything right Mm -hmm. um 
as the other as both of them are screwing up an equal amount. <laughs> right. And also, they have that sitcom energy of the guy and gal who can't stand each other and are always bickering, but they are obviously going to end up together at the end. You 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 think that really? I mean, kind of like they they play the idea of a romantic relationship between them for laughs, but it does seem like they're like soulmates in a way. Like, I would agree I don't with think that. They maybe. would ever. I don't ever think they would say like we're in a relationship, but they're always going to be together. Like, oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and no, we we briefly talked about this um, <laughs> about them, like what makes those two characters so funny is that they're they both are truly morons like and so everything that they like their humor is on such a really basic level all of their conversations like they're never talking about anything very sophisticated at all all of their arguments are really simple <laughs> yes it's literally the simplest tasks yeah that can't they can't help but do stupidly right <laughs> but they're also insanely pa- they're both like the two most powerful members of the guardians so they just right. win by default right and can we talk about that too? About how like, I have always wondered when when seeing Mantis like participate in these grand battles like in Infinity War and in Endgame, I'm always like, I would love to see what Mantis looks like in combat because I could never wrap my brain around how she would be useful. Right. Do you know she, what I mean? Right. Like she's not a puncher. Like she's yeah. not gonna go toe to toe with someone. She's gonna wait till everyone else is fighting and then sneak around and do her stuff. And right. that's like the interesting thing about her. Whereas Drax will just yell and charge headfirst and do the punching. Right. And yet they both feel equally powerful in oh, that yeah. sense of like, oh, they're they're both unstoppable once they get going. Right. The special gives us like a proper fight scene. Like just for right. just for good measure. Like we get to see some punches thrown by Mantis and get oh, to yeah. see how her powers actually work in a in a combat situation, which effectively well, you can put anybody to sleep. <laughs> right. And it like she has the martial arts skills to like flip around and disarm people. Right. Um and I mean I guess we're moving along here, but yes, they end up so they do end up going to Kevin Bacon's house. And Kevin Bacon, <laughs> who really is, he's enjoying this. He's hamming this up. He's right. like, for like 15 minutes of work? Hell yeah. Okay. Um, they end up breaking into his house, chasing him down the street, and then getting a fight with the cops. Um, which, again, I just... Well, this was my big note. So there's a bit where they're chasing him through the house, and Mantis is leaping like a mantis, like all four right. morning. And I think what really brings Mantis together as a character is like, oh yeah, she's kind of freaky. She's creepy, like, yeah. She's weird. <laughs> Like, because all the other Guardians of the Galaxies are members are either humans or humans in body paint. Right. Like, Drax is just a dude in body paint. Nebula and Gamora right. are just body paint. And then the two alien ones are Rocket, who is a fuzzy raccoon, and Groot, who's like, oh, he's a, a tree, tree man. I get it. Yeah, like you those see guys Groot, from Lord of the you, Rings. You I've get it before. when you look at yeah. Groot. <laughs> Whereas Mantis has, like, huge bug eyes. Right. Like, sharp features. She, like, always talks in a weird sing-songy These tone. Tentacles. She has antennas. Yeah, this weird accent that she has. And, and you know, this reminds me of, like, the first person ever to react to her that way, which would be Spider-Man. Like, when Peter Parker meets her and he, he says, like, he please don't put your out. eggs in me. Is that what he said to her? And you realize, like, no, that's an appropriate reaction to right. this. Right. It really is. Like, <laughs> Like, the other, the other members of the Avengers just fight reg- the other Guardians, and those Guardians are normal, so they're chill. Right. <laughs> yeah, she actually looks like some kind of alien. Right. Um, 
just and it it's hard to talk about the special because so much of it is just like great joke great joke great joke yeah great moment great moment like all the way through um but yes the the chasing through the house is where it kind of harmonizes and all comes together in the best way where you're just like oh my god these are the two stupidest people in the entire universe and yet they're perfect for each other (laughs) right exactly Um, like they start uh you talked about this bit a lot where they start looting the house and they steal a candy cane and a little inflatable yeah he's got lawn decorations out and yeah drax wants this tiny inflatable elf thing and mantis falls in love with a giant candy cane and they both take it and as they proceed to the house um and drax loses his in the house while they're trying to chase down kevin bacon and they have an argument like this is what i mean by the arguments it's like watching two little kids have an argument where it's just truly the dumbest thing but it's very serious to them (laughs) right and yeah it and that's what i love about drax he thinks and this is something they do really well like especially in the video game where he thinks he's royalty he thinks he's very important Mm. But in reality, he's just a goobus. Yeah, no, 100%. He's a contracted bounty hunter on a team of goobuses. Right. Um, Yes, so they do finally end up capturing Kevin Bacon. And maybe my favorite joke from this entire thing. So they're asking about all of his escapades and quickly realize that he is an actor. And they are so disgusted at this notion. (laughs) And for some reason, that's the funniest joke for me, especially because when they finally get him to nowhere, all of the other guardians kind of nod along like, yes, yes, mm-hmm. as Kevin Nebula Bacon's will here. find. Well, also that him being an actor is disgusting. Right. Uh, I believe Nebula has the capper line. Well, I guess all not all actors are complete assholes. Right. And you're just like, what? Why? Right. It's a very specific thing. <laughs> Um, I just love that, like, when when they, like, pull Kevin Bacon, like, out of the box, or, like, and he starts, like, freaking out, and he's like, that's a talking raccoon. Nebula just pulls a gun on him. Just gonna shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> he's just gonna be executed. She just asks no questions. She's like, what did you say? <laughs> and that's the best part about the Guardians. Even though they've been, like, you know, they've had time on Earth, and they've had time to grow and learn and be more compassionate as a team... All of them just always default to their worst instincts. Yes. No matter what, they will. Like, even after all of they've, all they've grown and learned, just, nope, we're going to be the worst version of right. ourselves, and that's okay, because we love each other now. Right. It makes it all worth it. And I think, and then, like, what gets me is we somehow get the most sentimental scene from James Gunn's brother, where he right. just... Like, explains to Kevin Bacon, like, hey, you're a really big deal to this guy. You know, he looked up to you. You were his role model for what a hero should be. Which results in Kevin Bacon singing a nice little song as everyone ends right. up actually celebrating Christmas. Yeah, you know, that scene was important to me because I was like, yeah, like, you know, movies matter, actually. Like, right? this is going to be the press example of, like, yeah, the, this these movies that we, like, we don't just consume them. So, so a lot of people, they mean quite a lot, actually. To kids, they right. mean quite a lot, and you carry that with you forever. I was just going to say, yeah, because, like, I always go on tirades when people are, like, especially with DC movies where, like, well, they should be dark. This stuff isn't for kids. I'm like, no, it is for kids. And what kids see is going to, you know, define them for their whole dang lives. Right. And, like, oftentimes when people do stuff about, like, the power of cinema, I just kind of roll my eyes because mm-hmm. I'm like, 
laying on a little thick here, gang. Right. But this was, like, shockingly earnest, where it's like, yeah, you know, this kid was far away from home and scared for a long time. Mm. And how he was able to work through all this was, like, looking at what you did and being like, that's the kind of person I want to be. Right. You know, he watched you save a whole town with dance, and then he saved the entire galaxy with dance. Yeah. You know, I, like, as much as, as hard as I laughed, like, this special got me, like, kind of teary-eyed at point. Like, but I'm, I am a sucker for, like, friendship stories, and, like, Mm -hmm. that's what, that's why I love the Guardians as much as I do, because, like, I love a good Motley crew. And right. this really, like, truly tugged at my heartstrings. Like, this random, like, we we spend time on this moment of like dra- of not tracks of Rocket getting a gift from Nebula, and it's Bucky's arm, and he like almost cries. I'm like, right. oh my He's gosh, so... like these these people love each other, right? And that's what like. That's what I, that's the Mantis and Trax thing again, where it's like, it wouldn't work if they didn't love each other. Right. No matter what, if they didn't love each other, this whole franchise wouldn't be the most popular thing the MCU does. Right. Um, yeah. The part that gets me is, because Mantis finally says, like, I did all this because I heard Yondu kind of ruined Christmas. And mm. Peter's like, oh, he didn't give you the whole story. And it turns out Yondu saw the gift that Peter got him and got so soft about it that he gifted Peter his famous, like, his signature dual-wield pistols. And then they flew what, you know, they had their little moment together. And I think that got, I don't know, I just really loved Yondu as a character. I love the balancing act of, like, imperfect good people. Right. Where it's, like, for all the bad things he did, and as rough around the edges and as destructive as he could be, he He was a good dad. He really was a good dad, yeah. And, like, I just, can I just say, like, it makes me so happy to think that there is a like some sort of way that Yandu can like still live on and be in these and I just I love right. that like this 2D dreamscape is like a way for him to still exist in this world and and to like still be with us somehow yeah because that's the thing like I respect that they've committed to keeping him dead and like they aren't yeah. trying to find a way out of it because that mattered that was like a big moment for all of the characters right but at the same time i would be too sad if i didn't think i'd get to see him again exactly okay can we just celebrate palm clementif for one second we've talked a lot about mantis but let's celebrate palm for a second like as a performer (laughs) yes i do feel like sometimes we were talking about us getting mixed up with like names and actors for the other um for black panther we gotta name actors because they're the guy they're the people who are making this work Right. Palm Palm Clementif, Dave Batista, they're they're phenomenal actors. They really do a wonderful job with these characters. Karen Gillan is so funny. Like, how do you bring humor to Nebula, who is right. the Grinch of life? Yes. Like Yes, she is like the saddest character in the MCU. For good who, reason. Like, had nothing in life and everything's been bad. And yet she's so fucking funny. She really is. Like, you see her, like, dancing in the background and, like, the most stiff, like, she, like, I've never seen someone dance, like, seriously. And she, like, <laughs> she does somehow. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I had a question, like, about this being, like, technically for kids. This is, like, one of the first times in the MCU that, that they're referencing, like, hard liquor. And I was like, I don't remember there being, like, what's the rating on this? Like oh, and <laughs> because it got my attention right away to see them like drinking hard liquor. 
the know, only well, in my notes I was like Age of Ultron because that's the only other time where they're at that like swanky party. Um, Iron Man, the first Iron Man, a little bit. Um, okay. Yeah, like I don't know. I feel like PG thirteen lets you get kind of fast and loose with um with stuff like uh, that. Okay. Yeah, with alcohol, as long as you don't show a boob. Right. That's that's the cardinal sin. But you know, otherwise, my th- my final thoughts is like, you know, this is this is a film about the the true meaning of Christmas, and of course, of course, there's a lot of uh, just about everything Christmas tries to define what the true meaning of Christmas is. But it is about the people that you care about, and remembering that there are people who care about you, and that's sort oh. of what this film is: is about other people caring about you, like remembering. That you're sort of loved by others. That's the thing. They could have just talked to Peter and found out (laughs) they had a complete misunderstanding about this entire thing. But no, it's the fact that they would hear a sad story and immediately go on a cross-galaxy, like, crusade Mm -hmm. to do all this. And even though Peter is horrified that they kidnapped a man (laughs) who is is now missing from his family at Christmas... Mm He still is utterly moved. He's utterly in tears. Yeah. Like, the ending, I'm going to be honest, that little bit at the end when he finds out he has a sister is some of the best acting Chris Pratt has done in a very long time. Yeah. And kind of reminded me, like, oh, yeah, there was a point where we all loved this man, huh? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Once upon a time. Yeah. Wahoo. But, you know, oh, my God, don't say that. But. No, we're not, ta- we're not talking about that. We have too much to talk about still. You know, like, we get, we get. We've gotten sort of personal recently on this, on our podcast, but it's like, you know, I had a really shitty Thanksgiving and I'm kind of like in my, I hate my family, like era for lack of better words. Like, welcome to the club. Right. You know, and I like, you know, it was put really well to me that it's like, yeah, you've, you're, you're just getting older and, and getting older means like seeing your family for who and what they really are and getting to meet them. And turns out I hate them, but, (laughs) but this movie kind of reminded me that, like, that's okay. <laughs> that, like, all of these people were... Literally all of these people, maybe with the exception of Drax, like, had family that they either tried to kill them or they they tried to kill or they had to kill because right. they hated them. <laughs> right. And, and they invented their own family, and it's a thousand times worth it. <laughs> and Drax's family, you know... Right. Like, he went on a killing spree because he lost his family, but then right. found a new one, and, well, he still kind of tries to kill well, a lot of people, but he's getting better about it. Right. Um, but this was something yeah. that I, like, for that reason, I really needed to see this right now, you know? Yeah. I As we, yeah, as someone who's kind of listless as well right now, trying to figure out where they're going to go from a lot of dark stuff, this was, like, I don't know, it was a refresher I needed to have. Yeah. It was... As perfectly silly and earnest as we needed right now, the Guardians truly are superheroes, where they give you the boost of, you know, spirit and energy whenever you need it. Exactly. Um, And what's interesting about this, and do you have any final thoughts before we talk about the other thing in the room? That was it. Um, Well, I was just going to say, what interests me a lot about this special is it sets up a lot of sort of new status quo. It's established that the Guardians um, have now bought Nowhere out from under the Collector. Mm -hmm. Um, It's established where Gamora is. 
Um, mm-hmm. It adds Cosmo the space, seemingly adds Cosmo the space dog to their sort of little band of misfits. Um, voiced by Mia Bakalova, who I don't know if you've ever seen Borat 2, but she's no. Borat's kid. She's actually really, like, I don't really like Borat, but she's so good in that. And okay. I, like, I love Cosmo the space dog. Like, I love the gimmick of, like, oh, yeah, one of these dogs we shot into space got psychic powers and is now cool. <laughs> um, it's, like, it's a very kid thing of, like, don't worry, that dog didn't die. It's a superhero now in space. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, so as we're getting ready to record, uh, I'm skimming through Twitter, and I see a poster for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And I think oh, that's cool, they're finally going to start promoting it. And I scroll one tweet down, and James Gunn, as a nice little start of December gift for us, dropped the trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Absolutely. Like, oh my gosh. Uh, what a the gift. The timing of that is insane. <laughs> what a gift, right? right? Yeah. It is a Christmas miracle. Um, um, it looks great. And it's like, I guess because while I when I was watching it like an hour ago I was preparing to talk about the special like I was already sort of like high off the fumes of the special so right. it makes viewing this thing feel even more special to me how many times can right. I say special it, because the guardians are special like they really it is are insane it is insane we live in a world where the guardians of the galaxy are one of the best franchises consistent lovable franchises we have right a a a f-list not even a d-list property like an f-list property right that literally got pushed ahead because nicole perlman wrote like a spec script when marvel was doing out feelers they're like hey let's get a bunch of young writers let's show them a laundry list of movies we might want to do someday and if they can come up with something we'll do it and she wrote a script for guardians it's like okay so we're moving that up right away post avengers Mm. and now it's just the most lovable franchise um right yeah, I think it looks great. I will it say, does. based on what I was hearing out of Comic Con, they were talking about how like dark and like raw it was going to be, and I was starting to get antsy. I'm like, God, this isn't going to be like a buzz kit. Like, it's not going to be too down and out, right? right like, right. it's the Guardians. We still have to have a little fun. Yeah. And to have it open with this dramatic moment where they're like going down to meet all these aliens, and alien <laughs> kid rolls their ball over, tracks picks it up, <laughs> and immediately fucking beams this kid. Right in space, <laughs> prompting a diplomatic incident. Right. I'm like, oh, good. We're gonna be okay. Right. <laughs> this is yeah. These are still the same guys. Yeah. Even in their darkest moments, they're still gonna be them. Um, right. Yeah. I can say that. Like you know, this trailer didn't show much, but the stakes certainly feel heightened. Right. Like, I think one thing I haven't fully processed until now is James Gunn has been pretty emphatic that this is the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy. This film concludes mm. the Guardians trilogy. The team, as we know it, is retiring after this. Um, or he's retiring from it and, he, uh, like, they're still kind of being vague. But it sounds like whatever version of the Guardians of the Galaxy we end on is going to end after this movie. Um, like, you know, they, I think they literally say something along the lines in the trailer. You know, this is the last ride. We're going to ride off after this. Right. And yeah. I'm going to be honest, it kind of break, it kind of breaks my heart. Like, yeah, I'm in denial I about that. Go. I almost believe he's slash hope that he's flubbing a little bit. Yeah. And like the thing about the Guardians of the Galaxy as a brand is like they've been so many Guardians of the Galaxy over the year. You could make a completely brand new team and do something different. But at the same time, like we're never going to have no. this little squad of people 
Yeah, like, I almost refuse to believe that it's the <laughs> that it's right? that it's over, and that's just truly just me not wanting it to be over at all. Yeah, it's gonna. It's and you know why I don't want it to be over at all because like. Groot can literally die and be reborn. And I'm and by that logic alone, I'm like, you know what? This can go on forever. <laughs> okay. Right. And the idea of having like narrative finality, it's kinda like surprising. I mean it's yeah. good. It's good. Stories need to end. I right. want to see these characters have a happy ever after or whatever their ending is to feel mm-hmm. like they can rest. But at the same time, like I'm not done. Man, the first one yeah, it I don't want to be done. Yeah. You know? It's only been eight, it's been eight years, but it feels like it was too fast. Like, this right. movie got delayed so much, and yet it still feels like we didn't have enough time with them. Right, exactly. Ah, uh, man. You know, and, I mean, I, I would give it to James Gunn. Like, uh, you know, I, I think he, I have a lot of different opinions about James Gunn, but I really like him overall as a director, and I think he's Same. kind of one of the perfect voice. He's one, him and Taika really do feel like, and, our, and I'd probably throw Ryan Coogler into that, too. They're, like, the voices we need right now. Mm-hmm. Like, and to see James Gunn go from, like, these sort of... Literally starting out with, like, trauma films, which are, like, the slashy, campy, like... Yeah. Oh, boobs and blood sort of mm-hmm. film department. To making his own sort of semi-indie movies. To getting to direct the first Guardians. And sort of going on this roller, like, and I think that's why it also affects me too, because it feels like the end of a ride with this guy. Oh yeah, he's kind of made this his thing, you know? Right. And for a little, and then there was that brief moment where he got kicked off the project for like because alt right weirdos started that whole thing. Right. And to have him not only get it back so he can finish his story, but also now he basically just gets to run DC. Yeah, that's like, kind of cool, actually. Yeah, like I guess that makes me feel a little better bit better like just because his story here is ending doesn't mean his story overall is ending true if anything he's more powerful than ever. right yeah exactly it's, it's only just beginning really yeah but as we get ready to ride off into the sunset <laughs> with our plucky band of christmas freaks i'm carter and i'm sydney and we are group I kind of think Groot looks gross. What? The Disney Desk is written, produced, and edited by Sydney Nicole Barkley and Carter Glace. Please follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk or send us an email at podcastdisneydesk at gmail.com. Want to support the magic? Use the link in the show notes to make a donation to the Disney Desk podcast. We would greatly appreciate it.